You're listening to the Fitness and Wellness Class, powered by NASM. NASM's new subscription service, NASM Connected, is the best value in fitness. When you sign up, you'll get access to everything you'll need to expand your career, master new disciplines, and stay up to date with your certification in one great package. Gain instant access to over 350 online fitness courses available anywhere, anytime, on any device. Earn CEUs for dozens of approved providers. Plus, unlock articles, webinars, videos, and podcasts from the biggest names in fitness. Don't wait. Sign up today and unlock the best content in fitness at the best price. Get connected at nasm.org slash connected or call one 800 460 6276. My name is Ken Miller, and I'm going to take you through this presentation on recovery. Now, the thing about recovery is as we go into fitness and wellness and performance training, one of the things that you're noticing these days compared to three years ago, five, ten years ago, uh, is the the discussion of recovery. How are we giving the body the opportunity to repair itself? So we talk about recovery. It's, it's one of three components. We'll get into it where we talk about rest, recovery, and regeneration. So as fitness professionals, one of the things that we need to build in that hasn't been built in traditionally is, is putting into the program the opportunity for the body to recover. So Moving forward into the presentation, uh, just so you know where some of these points that I'm going to bring up and, and, and share with you in my experience with working with recovery and regeneration comes from over 20, 20 years in the field of performance and wellness and personal training. So a um, little bit about myself. One is that I own a training facility in Alameda, California. That's in the San Francisco, Oakland Bay Area. And when it comes to managing a facility and having a facility that's outfitted with the equipment and the space needed to optimize recovery, that's one of the things that I've implemented into how I service my clients. So as a facility owner, and for those of you that do own your own facilities, one of the things that I'm asking you to think about as somebody who has not just resistance training or maybe something that's uh, you know, heavy and built for power and built for performance, but how are you enabling your clients, your personal trainers to build into their programming recovery and regeneration? Um, and as one of the regional master instructors for the National Academy of Sports Medicine, I've also had a chance to work with hundreds, if not, you know, thousands of personal trainers when it comes to building programs, not just in personal training and resistance training and for post-rehab with corrective exercise and performance enhancement. But again, this is one of those things that needs to be built into uh, your programming from, from the OPT model vantage point. And I'm going to give you the tools on how to work that in there. Um, but uh, a big part of where I practice um, recovery and regeneration for athletes is, is working with a company um, that I partnered up with uh, a few years ago called Evolution Athletics, where we work with performance development of baseball players, mostly college age, if not professional baseball players. Um, but what also feeds into this conversation is my experience working with, um, with just people trying to get better from injury. And we'll talk about that as well. But my experience working with uh, pain, as a pain-free movement specialist on one end and, and also working with golfers on the other where I, my experience and my background with the Titus Performance Institute as a level three fitness um, instructor as well. So getting into recovery, one of the things that uh, we, we do need to understand is that, you know, it's got to be fed from different, different aspects. So the first thing we want to do is define recovery. And when we just define recovery, just like the title said, it's more than just a day off, right? And we'll go over different strategies and aspects. And when we look at the definition of recovery, we'll be able to build programming around that. And to make things happen, it goes, it starts off with your client assessment. So when you first start off with your client, you, you get them in front of you, you have to assess them from 
inside and outside. So understanding what their capacity for work is. Um, and again, it's going beyond, you know, body composition or, or movement assessment, seeing how they move. But again, seeing where they're lacking in their, in their behaviors inside as well as outside of the fitness arena. So when we talk about client assessment, these are the things that we need to understand first. So when we, when we can put ourselves in our client's shoes, then we can fill in the gaps on what their, their normal everyday behavior might be missing. Um, and then the next thing we want to look at is the calendar, right? We want to be able to complete the calendar because if you're talking to somebody about their workout routine and they might say that they work out three days a week or four days a week, well, they can work out seven days a week if they want, if you're considering the the aspect of recovery and regeneration as part of their program, which, yeah, we should be doing something every day, every day. And it doesn't have to look like exercise or look like recovery or look like regeneration. But if you figure out what it is, then you'll know how to build it into their daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly calendar. And then once we get all those other things figured out, then we can also look at movement strategies and basically use that as our plan to enhance recovery or whatever recovery strategy that they have in place. How do you magnify that? How do you make it better? How do you make it bigger to get them the biggest return on their investment when it comes to that component of movement? So moving forward to look at recovery and define it because a lot of people don't know what recovery is. They think literally it's just a day off. So I'll work out Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, which means that if I take Tuesday, Thursday, and then the weekend off, that should be enough for me to recover and get ready for the next battle workout. So just to read off of the slide for you, just because of the fact that I don't have that good a memory, but when we look at recovery defined as it is through the NASM corrective exercise specialist, um, recovery is a systematic physiological and psychological process in which the body and brain require replenishment and rejuvenation in order to prepare for the next training or competition. Okay. So we're not just talking about giving the muscles a time to rest and recover, rebuild through sleep and nutrition. All those things are important and actually sleep and nutrition, very, very, very important to realizing the results that you're working so hard for. But we're, we're, we're talking not just the physical aspect, but also the mental aspect. So if somebody is working and operating at such a high level, right, you have those peaks and that's a lot, a lot of what your clients feel like that they're paying for, but also what they are paying for is your ability to maximize those valleys and control that recovery and give them the recovery they may not be getting. Because if somebody is challenging themselves physically, but they also have a high stress job, they've got a lot going on. Maybe they're managing, um, balancing family and work and social. So their minds don't really have a chance to, to, to unload as much as we're trying to unload the body, the mind has to have the opportunity to, to do that as well. And we'll talk a little bit about that. There's another presentation by, by uh, Dr. Brian Ritchie on sleep and regeneration through sleep. So if you're, if you're watching that, there's a lot of great information regarding sleep. I'll touch on that a little bit today. But as far as what else is available to you from an Optima presentation library standpoint, um, there, there is that other session that I highly recommend that you watch and incorporate into your recovery strategy. So again, when we look at recovery and what it's about, again, it's, it's a physiological as well as psychological component that we as personal trainers or movement specialists, performance enhancement or corrective exercise specialists, in order for our clients to fully benefit from the services that you're offering and how you are challenging the body, we need to, to consider strongly what recovery and regeneration is offering there. So when we talk about the recovery components, talk about rest. And it's more than just a day off. And don't get me wrong, we do need our days off where it's just going to be, hey, maybe I feel like sitting on the couch, right? I've, I've challenged my body Monday through Saturday. And if it's Sunday and it's just time for me to unload, maybe spend time with my kids and maybe have some mindless 
screen time, that's okay. Again, that's part of, again, giving the brain an opportunity to unload from the high stress week and just veg, watch Netflix, whatever you want to do, and, you know, take that day off. So again, recovery is more than just a day off. I'm not saying a day off is not what it is about, but it's more than that. Refueling, and this is where, yeah, there's a couple sessions on nutrition and sports nutrition specifically when we talk about what's available to you through Optima 2020. And that refueling is a part of what's going to help your body get what it needs to rebuild to be stronger for the next bout of training as well as competition. So refueling is going to be a big part of it. Again, this is not a nutrition seminar. Um, there's just too much information to to tap into that in this section. But regeneration, this is part of what, what it's about, you know, giving the body the opportunity to be stronger than it was than before it encountered the stress that you imposed upon it. So if I did a total body workout, what am I doing to get my body to regenerate and become a stronger version of what it was before that last bout of workout? So those are the three general components when it comes to uh, recovery. So when we talk about the assessment, okay, when we talk about the assessment, we're talking about a lot of stuff. So a lot of what goes into the assessment process is that for one, if I'm meeting with my client, Chris, that day, it's our first session together. I want to get to know more about Chris um, because the more I know about Chris, the better I'll be able to help him. So this is, again, uh, your health, uh, health and medical history. Is there anything that I, can, that I can make worse through exercise or movement? Because sometimes, you know, people don't come into you 100%. The body that you're working with is a, is a summation of everything that it's been through from birth until now. So if there's been an accident, if there's been a broken bone somewhere along the way, um, maybe some some issues um, with the foot and ankle that they experienced in high school, but now they're 45 years old now, there might be some residual issues that you might need to, to take into consideration when it comes to challenging the body. But it also might play a role in how you decide how you get somebody to recover. So that's those are the things that we need to look at when it comes to their health and medical history. Can I do more harm than good? With, with little or more information. But when it comes to recovery, the one thing that I want to look at is, you know, what's, what is the current amount of rest and recovery that they're giving their body today? So if you have a non-exerciser and they're coming to you because they want to exercise and they want to do it properly, one of the first things that I ask my client is, how much are you sleeping? Okay, because if you are somebody that wants to give it three or four days a week as far as a, a one hour or 45 minute workout routine, there is actually a lot more that you can do on your own by managing sleep than, than me telling you what to do. Because if you are sleep deprived and if you're, and I have a client today that there are times when he's gotten two hours of sleep, three hours of sleep. And then I see him at six in the morning and he's been up until like two in the morning and then he goes to sleep and then he drives to my facility. We come in and work out, but I find out that he's working out. <clears throat> Sorry, he has slept two to three hours that night before coming in. There are times where I might just say, you haven't slept, you haven't eaten. Your body's gonna actually like you more if you go home, get something to eat and, and go back to bed, right? Go back to sleep, get some rest, catch up on that. Can't really catch up on lost sleep, but your body is going to do a lot more with better rest and better nutrition than it will with me, no matter what kind of exercise that I'm doing. Just because sleep deprivation um, can lead to higher risk for injury, right? So I can get my client in a better position to rest and recover if they're not hurt. But if they have underslept or they're underrested, they're psychologically, physically um, fatigued because of sleep, then, you know, the hormonal responses, their coordination, all of that goes into what you want out of a workout. If that's not firing or if that's not working on their side, then they're not going to maximize the rest 
post-workout. So that's what I want to look at is, okay, well, how much time do you have to work out? But I want to look at, again, the whole 24-hour period. So if it's 24 hours in a day, hopefully you're sleeping somewhere between six to eight. Again, it's all going to be individualized, and we'll go over that in a little bit. But that one hour of workout okay, is going to be impacted by how that sleep was managed beforehand. But also, if I want to look at how you're going to recover between our workout and our next workout, I want to see that you're slept and giving the body an opportunity to, to rest as well as recover because all that good stuff that happens when we sleep as far as the brain cleaning itself out, giving those, the body an opportunity to have the desired hormonal responses um, at night when you are reaching that REM sleep. So the first thing I want to do again is identify the need, the need for sleep. But then again, I want to be able to plan for that. I want to be able to plan into your schedule. If you are going to work out with me once or twice a week, okay, I know what we're going to do physically together, but I want to be able to plan those off days when you're not with me. And that's going to come in the form of homework, right? So when you have your homework, you have an ability or I need to empower you so that you have the ability to execute exercises confidently on your own. So again, 168 hours in the week, if you meet with me once, the question is, what are you going to do with the other 167 hours out of that week to manage your rest, to maximize that one hour that we have together? So those are the things that, that go into the plan. And we'll go over planning in a little bit, <clears throat> but also now integrating recovery into that plan. So just as I said, if there's 168 hours of the week, we're together for one. I want to see how we're going to manage and how we're going to integrate rest and regeneration into the other hours of that week. All right. So <clears throat> to touch on sleep, again, this is something that, again, is going to be presented at another session at Optima this year. But when I go to conferences these days, between this year and last year, presentations that I've watched and paid attention to, you're seeing a lot more um, speakers that are addressing sleep. So one of the things that I want to, to point out here in this, in this graph, which was taken from the Sleep Foundation, basically it's just a mind meld of, of medical and research professionals that have accumulated the data and the research that supports the benefits of sleep and, and how to get it. But to kind of look off of the slide here, as we go through the aging process, as we go through the aging cycle, the demand for sleep is going to be different. So just to kind of pick on different aspects of our lives, when we talk about newborns and infants, they sleep a lot, 14 to 17 hours out of the day when you're a newborn and 12 to 15 hours as an infant, they are sleeping a lot. There's so many changes that are happening in the body, not just physically, neurologically. So all of these things are changing. They're growing, they're developing a brain, requiring a lot of energy because of all the stimulus against the synapses that are creating are being created as they are um, growing through that phase of their, of their life cycle. <coughs> Excuse me. But as we get older, as we get older, things change. So as we talk about now getting into the teens and young adults from 14 to 17 years old, eight to 10 hours. So they, these guys need to sleep. So if you have, and I was one of those guys that, you know, I'm going to bed at eight o'clock at night, but you know, I'm in bed until eight in the morning. So it's, I slept a lot. Again, eight to 10 is kind of the average, but it's going to be individualized. So when you talk about teenagers, you know, getting them up early when they don't have to, and that's going to play an effect on, on how they recover. So if I'm working with a junior high or a high school kid, that might be a guy that that 6am or 5am workout might not be the best thing. So, you know, between staying up late, you know, playing Fortnite or other video games online with their friends, if they, if they tend to be one of those guys that stay up late, I want to give them plenty of padding to where if they're up till two in the morning and if I expect them to have that 10 hours of sleep, if they're till two in the morning, maybe I don't see them till after lunch. 
And that's something that you need to consider. So if I'm going to tell them to sleep, 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 you got to get your sleep, got to go to bed early, you got to wake up, you know, wake up at a decent time. But if that's not compatible with their lifestyle, again, this goes into the assessment. Um, when are you sleeping? You know, how long are you sleeping? As I get that intake of information, that's going to help me figure out, okay, when do I need to see this guy? Because a lot of people say, hey, you got to get up early. You got to hit it hard. You know, make it the first thing. Make it your priority of the day. Get it done. But if sleep is a priority, which, again, that's a big part of the recovery and regeneration process, I want to make sure that I am, you know, putting my uh, <clears throat> putting my words and, and following it up with my actions. So if I tell you to do it, I have to give you the tools to be able to do it. Part of that is in managing the schedule and seeing that your client has that opportunity to sleep in and get that eight hours. You don't want to contradict yourself, tell them to get there eight to 10 hours, but then you have a 6 a.m. training session and they go to bed at midnight. So, so just take that into consideration. But as we get into the older adult population, you know, seven to nine hours, and I wish I had seven to nine hours. So me being a a father of two and I've got my own business and occasionally that means travel. And I know that when I'm traveling, I'm on, when I'm on the road, I don't sleep well on the road, which research supports, you know, viable reasons why we don't sleep well when we're traveling and we're, we're not in our usual sleeping area. But when I know that there's situations where sleep is impossible because maybe you're, you're, you've got a newborn and they're up every, the baby's up every three hours. So just know that there's going to be a certain level of fatigue and you, you need to accommodate for that. So when it comes to program design, being able to right size the workout, if I know that you're in a potential situation to not sleeping well, and you know, there's conditions where you might get up frequently, i.e. having a newborn or you're on the road, you know, you have to manage expectations. So the reason why I bring up sleep needs is that there's textbook and what research supports on what we need um, as far as the amount of sleep, whether you're getting a straight eight hours or complementing, you know, the eight hours with a nap, however your sleep pattern um, is and what makes you feel good. But if that's not happening, I need to be able to empower you with the schedule or basically life tasks and homework that will help facilitate you getting better um, sleep at night. And and one of the things that you'll need to research or actually read more through the recovery chapter in the, in the uh, NASM's Corrective Exercise Specialist materials is sleep hygiene, sleep hygiene and how you maximize or, or increase the potential of getting better sleep, which might mean um, shutting off your computer, not thinking about work three hours before bed. Uh, again, just some more tools for you. Uh, no caffeine. If you're a coffee drinker like I am, no caffeine after three o'clock. No, no blue screen or blue light uh, two hours before you go to bed. So that means if you've got a if you got a television, a TV set, and you have Netflix streaming in your bedroom, maybe that's not the best thing for you. Even though some people say I get better sleep, you might fall to sleep better, but the quality and the depth of sleep, being able to get into that deeper REM cycle is going to be the most important thing when it comes to maximizing your sleep at night. So there's these different things that you can do to, to maximize and, and increase the opportunity or the chances are you're going to get the not just the amount of sleep, but the quality of sleep that you're looking for to, 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 to maximize your recovery and regeneration process. So, so one of the things that we're looking at strategies is evaluating your workout schedule. So looking at your schedule, and we'll go over some scenarios when it comes to um, your workouts and how you manage that. But one of the things you want to do is, you know, look at your work, your workout schedule. Okay. So your workout versus your work in. So when we talk about workouts, when are you going to stress the body? How are you going to stress the body? So I'm standing here at the National Academy of Sports Medicine Fitness Center or the OPT Center. And right here I have a set of dumbbells and behind you we've got four squat racks and skill mills and all of that stuff. So there's plenty of opportunities to challenge the body. So when we look at your workout schedule and how you put stress into the body, I want to take that into consideration because as I stress you out, I don't want to put stress into you if I don't know or if I don't, if I don't 
talk about, discuss how to take that stress out of you. Right? So I have to give you an opportunity to recover and regenerate. So there's there's overtraining, but then there's also under recovery. Okay, so when we look at your workout schedule, how am I? Question is, how am I loading you? Because when we talk about balancing stress, I want to balance how much I'm putting into you. So if I'm going to put, you know, overhead presses, pushes, pulls, some kind of squat or a lunge, okay, I'm challenging the hips, I'm challenging the front, I'm challenging the back, I'm challenging it all with carries or however we're designing our workout. But if I know what kind of load is being placed upon your body, I want to be able to also manage and strategize how we're going to unload the body or de-stress the body. So the first thing about regeneration is understanding, okay, what, what are you regenerating, right? What kind of body are you going to have available to you when it comes to the amount of stress that you're going to have to deal with? So obviously what I'm talking about here is that the harder we're working out, the more we have to implement as far as taking stress away from the body. But if somebody's more about movement based, um, just getting some blood flow, some light resistance, high volume, low intensities, there's not a whole lot of recovery necessary. But if this is a, a phase five or a power oriented day or a max strength and, and muscle development type of workout, then there's a lot more to unload and de-stress the body. So these are the things that we need to consider when looking at your regeneration strategies. Okay, so here we've got some pictures for you to just kind of give you an idea of how things can be implemented in different environments that they can be implemented in. So the, the first thing when we talk about assessments and evaluating the client and their needs, in the lower left-hand corner, um, that's a corrective exercise uh, workshop that I taught at my facility. And the first thing is you want to look at movement. Okay, what's their quality of movement? Um, so that is the foundation for their training. So if someone who doesn't move well, there's a lot more that you've got to maneuver as far as their ability to, your ability to challenge their body. So the first thing that goes with that is incorporating a movement assessment. So I use that as just a pictorial on if someone doesn't move well, I might need to start them off at the lower phase of training and build up that postural endurance, build up that coordination and build up that neuromuscular efficiency as far as how well does the body coordinate forward, backward, left and right, up and down. So those are the things that you wanna manage first. So if someone has more postural dysfunctions then they're not going to be working out that hard at, at the early stages. That's going to be a lot more self-myofascial techniques using things like the Viper, the Hypersphere, or the Hypervolt to help muscles relax. And that, it's not just, those aren't just tools that I've listed to help somebody move better, but those are also the same tools that's going to help a client regenerate, recover post-workout. So a, a lot of, a lot of, flexibility as far as how you're going to manage the same set of tools for different purposes. And as we move uh, to that second picture with the Normatec uh, leg sleeves, that is an event that I, I participated in. That is the uh, Alameda Running Festival. And I hosted the recovery, um, recovery booth. So with that, um, we had other recovery tools available to our clients or to the runners but in there you have then we had a, a row of four Normatec leg, leg sleeves so that post-race, they of course finish the race, they've got their banana and whatever beverage that they're providing it that day, but they are now using compression to help facilitate that recovery process. So recovery can also be not just on the days that they're not working out, but immediately post-workout or post-competition to where now you just immediately give the client the tools they need to get the, the body to the shape that it needs to be in to facilitate recovery. So in that case, you have the systematic compression of the compartments in those leg sleeves that promotes blood flow back to the core. And then as the, the compression deflates, all that blood and nutrients come back in, it compresses and moves all the 
moves the lymph back to the core, as well as the metabolic byproducts from the pounding of doing that 5K, 10K, and that half marathon. So um, Normatec, if it's available to you, a great piece of equipment for some passive recovery. And uh, Pictorial on the upper right-hand corner is a, is a conference that we were talking about flexibility. And these are, just so you know, in the context of this workshop here, a bunch of physical education and health teachers, and we were going over um, recovery strategies for the PE class or for their teams, something that's in a group environment. Because one of the things that, you know, growing up playing multiple sports in high school and into college is that a lot of times after you finish the last play, um, your workout is ended as the team. Um, basically, you put the weights away and then you go home and have dinner, right? That's basically what it was. But now, if we're truly looking at the athlete and, and being the best athlete that they can be, not only do we want to challenge them and challenge their skill and, and challenge their, their capacity for strength and for power, but we're also, what we also need to do is empower them with, with exercises, not just for, for resistance training, but also movement patterns that are going to help facilitate range of motion and flexibility. It's when we are, um, when we repeat motions, let's say running, we start to develop these muscle imbalances just because of the muscles that we tend to use over and over and over again. The, bo the body will adapt to those, to those movements that you do over and over and over again, which means that the muscles that you're starting to use less and the muscles that you're starting to, to use more, that difference between muscles that are used and muscles that are used enough, that difference, that the gap, the chasm gets bigger and bigger and bigger to where now you have a true muscle imbalance. So if I'm going to put stress into your body, if I'm going to do a lot of pushing, Right. So if I'm alignment and I'm going to do a lot of pushing motions, well, there's a lot of bias towards my anterior shoulders. Well, well, what did I do to balance out and have a more of a pulling motion? Nothing. Unless I'm pulling the guy past me, that's not going to happen as often as I push somebody. So if without some kind of corrective strategy, immediately post event, post workout, post competition, this is the position my body is going to assume from one workout or one workout session to the next. So if I do this, my body is going to tend to recover with the shortened muscle in this pushing example in the front of the shoulder and then more lengthened and weakened muscles in the back or the posterior shoulder. And that's how I'm going to recover. So unless I start to implement strategies to where I'm going to balance out all that force and all that shortening up front and activate in the posterior, this is where your client's going to recover. So from one session to the next, I'm just going to become a bigger version of this because that's the motor pattern. Those are the positions and the motions that my brain is trying to get me stronger. Okay. So with this, with that particular class, we were working on opening up the shoulders and working on rotation. And in this case, we're doing a hip rotation that's going to emphasize a stretch or more mobility through the hip complex. So, so as motions go, the, the, um, the hip twist that's being done in that exercise does a lot. So that's, you know, compound motions in flexibility and opening up and increasing range of motion is going to be one of your best um, tools for recovery and regeneration. <clears throat> and like I said, in my facility, what I provide for the trainers and for my clientele is a recovery station. So in the corner where somebody might warm up and prepare for their workout, I have a set of tools available to them. So again, there's a lot of tools on the market, a lot of tools that people can use for home um, and, and, and the health club and the gym or personal training environment. But, you know, there's a, there's a certain set that I would, that I would call basically your, your foundation or your, your necessary tools. So there, you know, one using um, the Viper or the Hypersphere as far as tools for self-myofascial techniques. So to talk about uh, regeneration strategies, self-myofascial technique is a technique where you're going to place your body weight on a tool or an implement to help the muscles relax. 
through what we call autogenic inhibition. So if I were to take that viper, or let's say in this case, I'm just going to show you a mini sphere, a smaller version of the hypersphere. I'm going to place my body on that piece, and I'm going to hold still. And I'm going to keep my, so if you imagine this is my cap, and I'm going to set it on that piece, I'm going to stay there for about 20 to 30 seconds. And that's enough time to give that muscle an opportunity to relax, right? So that's what I'm going to do there. Um, so self-myofascial technique using one of these tools um, from Hyperice is going to be very, very important for, for not just when they're with you as a warm-up, but also warm-down, but also what they're going to do when they're on their own. So what I tell my clients is, hey, I would rather you forego a session with me, that, that money that you would have spent on our training session, I want you to invest that same money into some piece of equipment that's going to help you recover when you're not with me. So that might mean an investment in a Hypervolt, a, a Viper, or in some cases, if the funds are there, um, making the investment in a Normatec leg sleeve or a total body unit. Um, and this, this is stuff that you're going to use with or without your personal trainer. So again, regeneration strategies also means being able to have the tools and equipment that are going to help facilitate that regeneration process. Okay. So, um, so when we talk about regeneration strategies, again, recovery is not just a day off. It just means, you know, you can, you can sit in front of you. That's great. Good for psychological, you know, replenishment, maybe able to, to just kind of relax and not put thought into too much of your day. But when we talk about strategies, you want to talk about a difference between active and passive. So when I, when I first heard about or was introduced to the concept of different forms of recovery and regeneration, um, one, being, one form being active and one being passive, um, was from Dr. Marcello, who was a uh, strength coach um, for soft, the U.S. softball team, I believe. But also he was a strength coach at, the, at Stanford University. But um, he gave a presentation on active and passive forms of recovery. So depending on, the, depending on the technique and depending on what you're trying to do, you do want to mix and match recovery strategies. For one, it gives... Just like what we, we do with challenging the body from a workout standpoint, we don't want to always do the same thing for working out. That's like saying that all you have to work out for the rest of your life is your dumbbells. That's all you got, right? Your body's going to adapt to that. You know, there's a, even though there's a million things you can do with a dumbbell, it still doesn't give you the variability of using a cable machine or using a bar or using a physio ball. Right. You want to mix and match your workouts depending on your goals, because if you do the same thing over and over and over again, your body's going to adapt to that form of resistance. Well, why should recovery be any different? So if I recover the same way, if all I ever do is foam roll and stretch, hey, I'm still in a better position than someone who doesn't do any of that. But if all I do is foam roll and stretch, then I'm only going to get so much out of it. But now if I can have some kind of um, uh, facilitated recovery process using vibration, using percussion, and giving the body a different sense of, of stimulus from a regeneration standpoint, or now maybe a few times or maybe four times a week, I'm getting into um, some kind of compression <clears throat> tool like the, like the Normatec. I'm going to give the body different looks and different ways to recover. So some things are going to be easier than others. We might have our favorites, but it's always good to vary the regeneration process, just like you vary your workout. So looking at your active component. So this is where, again, this is what's going to take a little bit more effort when it comes to how we give the body the tools it needs to become the better, stronger version of itself, which is ultimately what we're trying to do when we personal train. So um, active re recovery sessions, regeneration slash corrective exercise. So as we operate at a higher level, as we go into strength training, whether you're working on strength endurance, 
uh, muscular development or max strength or even power, power development, the body's going to incorporate or be introduced a certain amount of, of stress. But also, if you operate at that high level for an extended period of time, you're going to experience, you're going to experience muscle imbalances. So, and I say that from the standpoint that we have basically two types of muscle. We have our type one and type type two. So type one being our stabilizers, basically those joints that are, those muscles that are closer to the joints, more endurance and stability based versus our type two, which is our strength and power based muscle. So if we work more in muscular development, max strength and max power, we are going to get a lot of use out of those type two muscle fibers, right? Our big prime movers. So those those beach muscles, big pecs, big shoulders, big biceps, quads, glutes, calves, all those muscles that you can see. But what we don't use, we lose. So if I'm operating at a high level of strength and power, we're just, doesn't have to be high level. If I'm just doing strength and power, I do that for a long, long, long period of time. Uh, I'm creating a muscle imbalance between my strength and power muscles and my stabilizers. So that's where we start to get you know, aches and pains and maybe some joint issues because the joint isn't dynamically able to stabilize itself during movement. So that's where you have the big muscles trying to do two things. They're trying to be do the things that big muscles do with this strength movement patterns, but they're also having to do the job of stabilizing, which they're not built to do. So that's going to take away from power and force production. So when we talk about regeneration, corrective exercise, it's not a bad idea that if you're going to do a total body strength routine on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and I do like to go to that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, it could be Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, be whatever. But if you're going to give yourself a, 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 a bout of stress on basically every other day in a seven-day week, that's about three days a week, and the days in between – you can do a corrective exercise or some kind of mobility exercise designed to help stimulate those type one muscle fibers. So again, to, to help recover optimal alignment. So if I'm talking about optimized posture, ears, shoulders, hips, knees, and ankles, um, as far as upright, tall spine, great posture, great position, right? A position and posture where you're, you're incorporating the least amount of stress through those joints as you're stacked up and vertical, right? So first, you know, add in a corrective exercise strategy. So if you work with a personal trainer, they have assessed you and they know what your tendencies are as far as your, let's say your, your, your compensation patterns versus. So if I've got a desk worker who's forward, who's forward with their head, watching their, their monitor, maybe even their laptop, their arms are forward, shoulders internally rotated and forward, my hip flexors are shortened. I'm sitting on my butt, I'm sitting on my hamstrings while I'm in the chair. I'm not getting a whole lot of hydration and I'm underutilizing my posterior chain. Your body is going to adapt to what you do the most, right? So if I'm doing, if I'm in this position, eight, nine, 10 hours a day, um, or if you're a college student, let's just say, imagine your time in your class, the time that you're studying, and then you have to perform, you're going to assume what you do most of the day. So unless I, get my hips to extend better use of my posterior hip as well as getting better use of my upper back muscles and, and instilling a little bit more flexibility and range of motion through the front of my, through the front of my shoulders. This is how I'm going to recover. Even if it was a great workout, I felt good. The thing is you might feel good, but you're not going to move well. Right. And that's only going to happen for so long until now my joints start to get overuse in this less than optimal position. So adding in a corrective exercise or some kind of regeneration movement plan into the week, that's gonna help you recover in a more optimized position. And I'm listing out here active, active recovery, regeneration, again, doing things like yoga. And depending on the style of yoga, some, some styles of yoga tend to be more active and more mobility and more metabolically based versus some forms that you're going to get into position and you're going to hold positions for longer periods of time. So yoga, when performed for the right person at the right time with the right instructor, with the right 
modifications can be a great form of recovery. So again, if you have a great yogi instructor that understands your postures and your dysfunctions, they can create a movement plan within the different poses that will help address your positions to where you can stand up tall and move better. Um, going outside for a hike, something active. Again, you're just encouraging blood flow, communing with nature, getting some oxygen into the body. Again, body needs oxygen. Um, and, and plus all the psychological benefits of just being in nature. Um, I also mentioned there, like I have before, using vibration, using percussion, in addition to flexibility. So as I mentioned with self-myofascial technique, Hyperize has a suite of, uh, of equipment that can help complement flexibility. So if I'm using a tool like the Viper that incorporates vibration, you're going to get the muscles to relax. You're going to get the, the fluid dynamics to be, I guess, more fluid, less viscous, less thick. It's going to help promote um, movement, less friction between the connective tissue. So there's, there's a lot of information that's coming out now regarding percussion and vibration. So when I say percussion, using something like the, the hypervolt where now I'm going to something that's going to not take up a whole lot of space, but now I can self-manage the stress that it's in my, that's in, let's say in this case, my anterior shoulder. So as I incorporate regeneration, I can go ahead and have that static pressure and I can add some mobility. I'm giving my body a different look on how to move and how to move with less stress. So as I take my shoulder through different postures and positions, again, all I'm doing here is I'm just adding a tool. If I'm, if I'm prone and I just have something like the hypersphere mini, imagine I'm laying on the ground. I can go through those same motions. I can lay with the mini here and I can incorporate these flexibility, these movement strategies. Again, I'm laying flat on the ground. It's my shoulder against the mini on the floor, and I'm just going to move. Again, this thing's going to vibrate, and it's going to change the texture of, of the fluid within that, that general region. So that's what we're talking about with active regeneration. Okay, I have to play an active role in how my body is going to recover. So I have to physically do something. It might be really passive, so I can, I can just lay there on that on that implement, whatever it may be, and my muscle's gonna relax, okay? So, but I still have to get there. Now, from a passive standpoint, somewhere where I'm just gonna lay down and relax, you have things like, again, I can't mention enough, the, with compression and using the Normatec legs, legs things, or maybe even the arms, or you just basically put on the boots and you just lay there. It's as passive as you're gonna get. Um, but the other thing that you have is, you know, you have what they call a venom, where you're going to heat and percuss or vibrate. Oops. Okay. Sorry. And as far as, as far as other passive tools, you'll have uh, the venom, which will have vibration and heat to help improve blood flow. And again, I can just sit there and just let my body recover, let the tool do the work for me. And then there's things like meditation. And when you talk about meditation, this is again, we talk about the physical as well as the psychological meditation just gives you a way to unload and decompress your mind. So you incorporate these strategies. They'll affect you physically, but also psychologically as well, because if you're moving better, you're going to be hyped up, ready to go to be stronger and more powerful and faster your next workout. So again, if you manage the peaks and you manage the valleys, you're going to have better peaks and better valleys as you move forward. <clears throat> All right, so as we talk about regeneration strategies, sorry guys. All right, so as we talk about regeneration strategies, we have to look at the calendar again. If you don't plan it, it doesn't happen. So, um, and I'll find this, you know, with clients as I talk to them about their workouts and I'll say, Hey, 
what what did you do last week? It's like, um, you know, that was kind of a hectic week. So I had a 30-minute workout versus an hour, which is okay because life happens. But the fact that they don't recall what they did or it's something that was put together haphazardly in what I call you just Frankenstein the workout, you just kind of stitched pieces together and that's what you had, right? A lot of times your recovery strategy is going to be the same thing. But if we're meandering through our workouts and therefore meandering through our recovery strategy, one of the questions I have to ask is, well, how much are we actually getting closer to the, to the goal that you're here for? You know, why are you working out? Is it to change your body composition? Is it to feel better? Is it to move better? Is it to get stronger and be more, be more capable of, of performing your life with, with more ease? Or is it for de-stress and whatever it may be? But if that's what you're doing to work out, right? Are you actually getting closer to your goal? And if I don't know what that is, then I don't know what your recovery strategy is. Because if, if you're just haphazard with how you put your, your workouts together, then you don't know what to recover from. I hope that makes sense. So, so when we talk about recovery strategies, um, putting it all the big picture together again, how are you going to stress the body? How are you going to unload that stress from the body? So I'm going to give you some scenarios here. And for some of you, it might be more familiar than, than in other situations, but just to give you some ideas on how we can look at the calendar, look at the weekly calendar. We're going to go over some concepts and things that you can consider when putting the plan together. So for a lot of my clients, this first row is going to be a big part of it. So we talk about just general conditioning. That person that just they work all day and they just feel stiff at the end of the day. All they want is some blood flow so that when they go home, they're in a better mood, they feel better, and they sleep better. So general conditioning, a lot of times this is just what your clients need is, is just being able to just get some oxygen and, and to de-stress and, and have some time for you somewhere in that day. So if you're if you're looking at this, this presentation and if you downloaded it and printed it out, what we have here, RT means resistance training. So if we look at resistance training, you know, a couple or a few times a week, right here, we have it as a two-day-a-week program, right? But if someone just generally just trying to get better fit, you, you're, you're, you're not working on, hey, I need to put on five pounds of muscle. I need to take off five pounds of fat. I just want you to get moving. So when we look at the research, one to two days a week, when formulated properly, is enough to get you some gains. If anything, just maintain what you got. But I don't know too many people that just want to stay the same, right? Just, I just don't want to get worse, right? So when we talk about resistance training, one to two days a week, maybe what you have. But here on Tuesday, I might have some speed, agility, and quickness and metabolic work. And that might be for that somebody who's that scenario I brought up with you before, that person who's got kids and they want to be active for their kids. So as their kids go through that aging cycle, they want to be able to play on the side. They want to throw the ball. They want to kick the ball. They want to chase their kid, you know, up and down the street, whatever it may be. So we need to add in some speed, agility, and quickness as well as some metabolic. That way we, our heart and lungs, our cardiorespiratory um, system is challenged so that you can keep up with the demands. And not just those that are in, in that phase of their life where they might have kids or something, you know, they just want to keep up with their buddies. Uh, from a recreational standpoint, but that could also be for the older clientele who just wants to play with their grandkids or want to be active. They still want to go on vacations. They still want to travel, but that requires a certain set of, of um, capacity and which means they need a certain amount of work and challenge when they do work out. So just to give you some, some, some ideas and the fact that when we challenge the body, speed, agility, and quickness, that's not just a component of your workout that's reserved for your athletes. That's for everybody. Your ability to harness power and speed is something that we need to keep as long as we can. So challenging the body again, that's that peak. That's how hard we're trying to challenge our client. So that on Wednesday, and again, in that first, first row, we are looking at regeneration. Okay. So if somebody did a, a muscular development training session on Monday, they did some speed, agility, and quickness. So this is some higher intensity stuff. So that regeneration, that's where we might do more of that corrective exercise strategy that we'll go more in depth later on. But just to touch upon it right now, what we are talking about there is 
that might be the day they get on the Viper, on their calves, their quads, and their lats. And they're going to do a standing calf stretch. They're going to do a hip flexor stretch. And we're going to get a ball lat stretch. And then we're going to go ahead and activate and do the muscles that operate in the upper body. So now all we're doing is we're activating those upper back muscles. And we're going to turn on the glutes. We're going to do some bridges. So this is just more of a recovery day to where now we're just trying to, to excite those stabilizers. Again, we're going to give those type one muscle fibers an opportunity to fire up and, and get back into the game. Because when we get into Thursday, now we are back into resistance training. And if that's a higher level resistance training day, again, because I opened up the shoulders, I've turned on my shoulder cuff and my hip cuff. And I've, wake, I've, I've awoken the, the foot and the ankle muscles on that recovery, that regeneration day. I'm in a better position to work out. I'm stronger after that recovery and regeneration. And I've set the table for a higher intensity workout for that Thursday. And then Friday, again, some people love going to those boutique facilities. So maybe they have a yoga facility or they have a friend or they've downloaded an app that they can follow and they can follow these poses. And if you're a part of that process and if they are in a position to, to actually put together their own yoga session, now you can say, hey, maybe we do a warrior pose or a child's pose or a, chill, uh, a uh, pigeon pose. And that way we're working on the hips, we're working on our shoulders and we're getting things to open up again, right? So as we move forward, and you know, we, we can't be so, so, so tunnel vision that there, we're set on one way. We need to be open to other modalities. And sometimes those modalities might include yoga, might include Pilates, different ways of unloading the body. So again, those can be as intense as you want. But if, you, if you're familiar with how your body's supposed to feel and how your body's supposed to maintain stabilization and posture, you can tweak whatever format or migrate to a format that's going to help you Again, stand in a better position and hold yourself with better alignment so that when you do get your rest and get your sleep and pay attention to your nutrition intake, your body's in a better position to be stronger from that standpoint. And then, again, setting yourself up for that next bout of resistance. So moving forward then down to, you know, that business travel. Again, I'm here at the NASM corporate headquarters and we have awesome workout facility here. But here's the thing. I'm here on business and I'm traveling, which means I'm going to be in a, that means I got on a plane. I'm sleeping in a strange hotel where I don't sleep all that well. Again, that's a little bit more information that I'm sure you wanted to hear about me. But that's the way it is for a lot of people. So if you're working with clients that do travel a lot, then you're going to have to talk about disruption in their normal everyday habits. So if we can build in some movement and recovery strategy, even while they're on the road, um, to right size their programming based on what stresses that they're going to um, encounter, if we can anticipate those situations, there's no reason why we can't build things in there as far as their ability to recover. So if they, they got that last workout with you, they really lifted a lot of weight, they threw some things, they, they worked out really hard, and then the next day they got on the road, Right. Just because they're on the road doesn't mean that we can't recover. There's other things we have to work around. But if we plan it right, we can give the client the tools they need to still keep progress. So it may not be that steep angle of progress that they were that their trajectory was showing. It might be here, but it's still in the right direction. So here, if it's a travel day, we might use the hypersphere and use some flexibility. So if I've been on a plane or driving in a car, hip flexors tight, heads forward, shoulders are forward. From there, I just might want to work on some, you know, movement and some mobility and just to counter all that sitting that I did on the airplane. So if I've got a cross-country flight, yeah, that's five, six hours on a plane in one position, right? So you might have a travel day routine, which might just be based on mobility. And then the next day might be just something just metabolic. I might have a uh, an early an early uh, meeting day. So it might be just something short, 20 minutes in the workout facility, get through my meetings, and then come back, unload psychologically doing something 
maybe more cardio based, but just to unload my mind before I have some dinner. So you have a lot of flexibility from that standpoint. So again, going through the, going through the routine, we just want to account for the conditions that your client's going to experience moving into whatever the condition that they're in. So if it's a travel weekend for work or travel for competition, you want to build in their strategy and accommodate them um, from a programming standpoint. And here I just have a little template on basically I just summarize it for you from a corrective exercise standpoint. So that could be your off day. Okay. So I know I've thrown a lot of information out at you, but to sum it all up, first of all, we need to look at when we put stress into the body, we know we need to know how we're going to take stress out. So if we're going to stress induction and reduction, we want to look at tactics and techniques for regeneration. So again, hopefully I've given you some insight and tools that you can consider when putting a plan together. And then situation and schedule, life happens. Again, you've got to play with that. And the bigger, the more information you have, the bigger picture you can paint for your client to help them become the biggest, best person that they can be physically and emotionally and psychologically. So I want to thank you for taking your time and sitting here through this presentation on recovery. Again, it's more than just a day off. It's something that needs to be strategized just as much as you strategize and put their plan together. So again, my name is Ken Miller. If you have any more questions for me after this workshop, ken.miller at nasn.org is how you can get a hold of me. So take care, everybody, and be well. Thank you so much for being here today.